0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings and it just keeps growing. I feel it. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan.
1: I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor.
0: I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed.
2: I ain't going down like no punk.
0: A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We have a really fun episode in front of us here today. On a Thursday, a beautiful day in State College. We're not sure when we get the beautiful days and the ugly ones this time of year. So we're embracing this one, embracing some sunshine. But stepping back inside of the studio to talk with Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen, my Lions 24-7 colleagues, a little bit later here in the episode, we'll break down uh, the new outlook for this depth chart for Penn State moving into summer. There's going to be some major roster additions. But taking away what happened during those 15 spring practice sessions and applying what we already knew about this roster – We'll work our way through a bit of a revised depth chart for the 2023 Penn State roster. But we begin with a special guest, and I said back in January, jokingly, that he probably has, outside of anyone who's hosted this show, been on the show Uh, as much as anyone else. And now we add another uh, appearance to that list with Landon Tangwall today, Uh, redshirt sophomore, offensive lineman with the Nittany Lions, formerly a top 100 overall recruit out of the state of Maryland. He joined us a bunch during that recruitment, before his enrollment, and a couple times now since his enrollment, stepping up in year three with the Nittany Lions in a lot of different ways. You'll hear about those right now. Landon, welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks so much, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover here and it's going to include some some serious conversation about this offensive line coming out of spring ball in a bit, but you're kind of carrying the flag on behalf of your teammates for a few different initiatives here and I want to begin with what's coming up this Saturday. Uh, it's part of the Lions Legacy Club efforts to really put the spotlight on you guys give you an opportunity not only to benefit yourselves as student athletes, but to mingle with community members network get a chance for fans to interact face to face so Before I start asking about it, why don't you give us the lowdown on what's going down uh, down in Annapolis, Maryland, this Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, so I I think uh, we we got a lot of guys
3: from Maryland, man. A lot of guys from that area, a whole bunch of alumni in that area, and we kind of figured there's not too much going on in that area, so we figured one of these weekends after spring ball, we'd go back and kind of plan an event there. So this is how that kind of came about. We got about eight to ten Maryland, you know, former Maryland high school players that are here at Penn State, current. Uh, that are coming back guys like chop Robinson, Olu Fashenu, uh, Devna Lee, Za Wheatley, and uh, obviously me and, and a couple more guys. um you know it's gonna be we're gonna be doing stuff like q and a we're gonna be signing really any memorabilia anybody brings. we'll have stuff there too to sign um, also gonna have auction off a couple really cool items, uh, different paintings, stuff like that uh, and obviously food drinks, all that good stuff. so it's gonna be a really good time. Kind of just you know chat it up with the players and uh, everybody, you know,
0: get to know each other. Now we have the link here on our our YouTube video that if you're, if you're watching it that way, if you're not, and and go over lines 247com you'll see this article up with the podcast. We have a link out where you can get some more information for this, but Landon did a nice job there again. It's six to 10. On Saturday, um, down in Annapolis, Maryland, at the Doubletree by Hilton. Uh, it's at 210 Holiday Court in Annapolis. It's $100 per person. Uh, and, and we've had a chance to, to peek in on some of these events. And, and specifically, Mark Brennan and Grace Brennan have taken some photos of some of these events. I mean, this is not just getting a line one by one single file and have your 10 seconds with a Penn State football player and then be shuffled out of the room. This is truly mingling. No, yeah, we get to,
3: you know, it's really awesome to show our personalities now. You know, I think, you know, fans were kind of missing that a little bit for a while there. Uh, there wasn't too much community engagement with the players. Uh, and that's definitely one thing the NIL has allowed us to do. So it's been really awesome, you know, mingling with the fans for them. You know, they get to meet our families. All of our parents are going to be there. I uh, get to talk to them. So it's really cool. It gives everybody a different perspective and really gets the, you know, people get to see us as, a, you know, as people. It's really fun to just chat it up with different alumni and even really just just anybody, anybody who's a fan. It's it's awesome to to see that. And it's uh it's, it's really cool.
0: Now we get a lot of interesting questions as media members, whether it's in Twitter or outside the stadium or up on our message boards, I'd imagine there's been some interesting questions thrown your way. What some of the more, I guess, uh, you know, memorable moments you've had in those interactions thus far?
3: Man. So, I mean, some of them are, some of them are pretty funny. Um, I would say one of my favorite actually was I was talking to Ted Brown um, board of trustee. I'm not sure if, if anybody's familiar, but, uh older older guy awesome he's on the board of trustees and uh he challenged me to a push-up contest this wasn't really anything i asked but you know this was last friday at the event and uh he challenged me to a push-up contest but then he said that every one of his push-ups i have to do 10 so i don't know where that happened at and then he started challenging mike maude too so i don't know it was getting it was getting heated up uh up in the hyatt friday night but uh but no but i mean it's they're honestly everybody's always so awesome Uh we do get, to, you know, we get some funny questions. Normally they're about Coach Franklin that make me laugh the most. But <laughs> um, and kind of just, you know, stuff stuff about that. But but no, it's, it's awesome to just get to know people, get to know the fans. Like I said, this wasn't really this type of stuff wasn't happening a couple years ago. So I think the fans love it. Obviously, we're super excited to come back to Maryland and hopefully, you know, see a bunch of people there.
0: You mentioned Mike Mowdy, and, and people obviously respect a lot of what he did as a football player here at the time that he did it, but he's resurfaced now as a very vocal member and, and an integral member with the Lions Legacy Club um, and and making a lot of things happen behind the scenes from what we have heard and what we've gathered and what we've kind of uh, just just seen him put out there himself on social media. What's that look like from your perspective? Because you're involved in these, a lot of the, the setup and conversations behind – the closed doors and, and on these threads as you're getting these things together how much of the involvement has made an impact yeah no, he's been awesome mike's been
3: awesome uh it, it's been awesome to get to know him obviously former you know big time player here all all, the, all that stuff i mean he's a legend here we all you know i heard his name coming up all the time in my recruitment since i've been here so to really interact with him he's a, he's an awesome guy he cares about the players um, that's one thing i'll say about him man he's he's in it for the right reasons um, And, you know, I think it's hard when there's a lot of people, when there's some people who aren't and he's, you know, he's just doing he's just doing his best. He's just trying to get the fight for the players. And, you know, as players, we love him. He loves talking to us. He's a he's an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, So, you know, we're just super happy to have him on our side, man. It's it's really
0: cool. Getting into this event a little bit more on Saturday, the in the trenches meet and greet Um, some big time names there from the state of Maryland. I know you're proud of that. Uh, some people in Maryland probably aren't pleased with that, but it's the way it's worked out for Penn State Football. And I think you've got multiple first round picks on this list of players that are planning to attend eventual first round picks. Now, what are you guys gonna be actually uh, getting the opportunity to do um, down there getting back to your some of your hometowns, around some of your hometowns? Do you have any kind of other community reach out planned? Yeah, so I mean, for I mean, obviously this summer we're we're trying to do, definitely
3: do a lot more. Um, you know, for, for me separately um you know I am Sunday night I am doing a uh r- a kind of a QA and a um really about Penn State football I got my obviously I wrote my uh, book The Men Up Front right here um it is a little bit about that um it's being it's going to be a really awesome event it's on Zoom it's free 7 p.m on Sunday um so obviously if you can't come out uh Saturday you can come in chat it up with me really I'm answering any questions Penn State football you know, my life, recruitment, all that good stuff, my book. So really for any Penn State fan, if you want to just come on and, you know, ask a couple of questions, enjoy Zoom, just hop on for a little bit. Uh, I'd love to have you. I think it's going to be a really cool event.
0: We'll get those links on my article up at, at lines247.com. And Landon, what does it mean to you to kind of roll that deep with that kind of talent back to your home state with, with guys who, you know, face difficult decisions. In Chop Robinson's case, he made a decision out of high school. He's going to be a Terp. He ends up being a force for you guys last year. Big things expected this season. I mean, what do you, you wear that as a badge of honor going back home, I'd imagine?
3: No doubt. No doubt. I think everybody really thought it was an awesome idea to do this. I mean, we know, like I said, how many guys we got from Maryland um, and how much, you know, obviously, like you said, those fans aren't aren't too happy. But we got, you know, we, we've done pretty well in the state of Maryland. Uh, Penn State has. So that has, you know, that, that's that been awesome. But, I mean, come back. I mean, you got the opportunity to come out and meet, like you said, two future, you know, first round picks and, you know. No, yeah, I mean, you got a guy Olu, top five pick. I mean, these guys, you know, really impressive guys, come back to Maryland. So we're, you know, we're really excited to, you know, just get back in our hometown uh, and just just mingle up, mingle, you know, chop it up with people. We're really excited.
0: And we got another event with your teammates that's coming up. I know you're really excited about it. A lot of guys are excited. You're going international for this one to Guatemala. Explain the cause to us. Yet again, another link. We'll make sure we serve up at lines 247com and up on social media. Uh, but break down what's going on because while people take that little break in between the spring semester and that first summer semester, you guys are, are getting on a plane and going to do big things.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, no. So there's about uh, 10 of us players. Are headed down to Guatemala uh, with a kind of a, a foundation. They're called uh, Souls for Souls. Like you said, we'll get that link down there. But um, we're we're going uh, down to Guatemala, and we're taking a bunch of shoes, and we're going to different places in Guatemala, um, and we're you know we're giving out shoes to to kids, and uh, we're, we're getting to interact with them, which is uh, which has been really awesome. Uh, kind of just planning that, getting to see everything we're gonna do, the impact we're gonna make. It's gonna be really cool. Uh, so me and a bunch of the guys are really excited for that. Um, as well with my book, um, I just had a very generous donation where, uh, someone's going to donate, uh, 50 books where I'm going to take down 50 of my books, uh, and give it out to some of the children in Guatemala. So I think, uh, I think that's awesome. We'll be, uh, I'll be announcing, uh, kind of who, who, uh, funded that and that donation, uh, actually at the meet and greet Saturday night and I'll get that out on social media, but no, I really appreciate that. And that's going to it's gonna be a really awesome trip. We're just excited to, to go down there. Uh, a lot of us that have never been out of the country,
0: and you know, just give back
3: and make it make an impact. It's gonna be really cool.
0: Landon, we spend hours and hours and endless hours on this podcast and 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 writing about it uh, as you as football players and how you're gonna impact wins and losses on the field in the fall. I think you gave us a nice chance here in the last ten minutes or so to peel back that curtain a little bit and you're you know being a brand ambassador in a few different ways here on the NIL front. Uh, in terms of community engagement and now in terms of service. Uh, how busy does this team, for the most part, stay when it comes to matters beyond football? Yeah, I'd say,
3: you know, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. So, you know, when it's when it's football, it's football. You know, spring ball, I definitely – I kind of started – I really got into this in January, really getting the NIL front. And, I you know, I really just wanted to make this great, not only for us now but guys down the line. You know, I want to come back in 20 years. When I'm a season ticket holder and come to Penn State games and see Penn State be great, so you know I'm not only doing this for I'm you know for us now, but you know the guys of the future. But but no, it's it's been you know obviously so it was you know kind of started out in January and then when spring ball came, you got to put that to the side, you know keep football the main thing. And now that we're back into the summer, it's you know a lot of conditioning, you know lifting definitely gives us some more time. We have a lot more free time to do you know events and different different stuff like this. So it's been awesome. So look for a lot more you know different events. Uh, all in the, you know, PA, DMV region uh, this coming spring and summer. So, you know, we're really excited.
0: And you're going to be coaching some kids up if I saw that, right?
3: Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah.
0: Not surprised. It seems like you're a guy who's loved football camp since you showed up to your first one at whatever age that was. And you just keep going back to them. Uh, Landon, when it comes to spring balls, you just said, just finished that up, 15 practice sessions. And when we had you on the show back in January, the team was in between the Rose Bowl and getting into winter conditioning, and you were still kind of, you know, optimistic, but a little bit guarded about your health status coming off of an injury last year. You missed the last eight games of your redshirt freshman season that you entered as a starter, but you were back out there this spring. How huge was this in, in just in your career as a step forward? Yeah, no, it was really awesome.
3: I think it was, you know, it's hard when football is taken away from someone, especially in season. Uh, But it gave me definitely gave me some time to reflect, Uh, you know, I really, you know, I really appreciate every day even more so now, Uh, you know, when you have something taken away from you that you really love, it's hard. So I really said, you know, I just find myself a lot more appreciative and really enjoying every day. Uh, It was amazing to be back on the field back in front of Beaver in front of all the fans. Uh, You know, there's no, there's no better feeling than that. Uh, So, you know, we're just, you know, excited going forward. We had a great spring though. So
0: we're we're really uh, optimistic. It was good to see you back in mid-March, whatever the day was, and practice number one out there in pads, knocking some of the rust off. When did you feel like you were kind of fully back into that rhythm, if at all, this spring? Yeah, no, obviously getting back into it definitely takes a little bit. You know, like you said, knocking the rust off.
3: When you haven't played for a little while. But, no, I definitely felt pretty quickly on, you know, just getting back into it, get back into the flow of the game. Definitely came, came really natural. And, you know, early on already feeling good. And then by the spring game, you know, it was definitely – you know, feeling feeling good on my A game. So it was you no know,
0: it was I feel good and it was an awesome spring
3: ball. So I'm really glad it
0: went how it went. It seems like, it, you know, based on our conversation in January, that the internal, I guess, feelings about yourselves in that offensive line room changed in a positive way over the course of last season you had to watch a lot of that I guess transformation process while you were sidelined are you picking up on different vibes around this offensive line when you got back into the practice miss versus maybe where it was five games into the season last year when you had to step aside
3: yeah no I think honestly we just continue to gel I think you know we're we're, we got a bunch of great guys we got a bunch of guys that can play man Um, I mean coach Trout is so optimistic about about our room and we just. We have a I think we just have an amazing room. We got a bunch of dudes in there that just put their head down, put the team first. Um, and
0: they're just hard workers. So, you know, we're we're really happy to have the team that we have and the O line we have. Is Phil Schrottwein essentially the same guy who showed up to campus a few years ago, or have you seen him evolve in different ways and maybe grow a different level of confidence because now he has personally recruited the guys that are filling up this room, and now he has some things on his resume here that he can point to for Penn State? I'm curious to see how that personality, how his approach has changed, or if it just stayed consistent every single year, every single day.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's definitely grown as a coach and definitely like learned things. But, um, you know, his his base, his base fundamentals come in, grind, just put in the work. Uh, you know, one of the hardest working guys I know um, that that's that's remained the same. Um, obviously, you know, he's picked up new things and taught us new things on the field. Absolutely. From that standpoint. But I mean, from a coach and really what, what he's taught us as a man and that type of stuff um, really has stayed the same. And he's it, been he's been awesome to have, you know, in my life and all of our lives. So absolutely. He's been he's been fantastic.
0: A few minutes ago, you referred to Olu as a potential top five NFL draft pick. A lot of people thought that he'd be in the wait mode right now, getting ready to hear his name called and next weekend in the NFL draft. Instead, he's working with you. What was it like to see him attack the practice field again? You know, he was sidelined with you for a long stretch last year. And just how special of a redshirt junior campaign could he have?
3: Yeah, I mean, Olu, man, he just uh, he's awesome. its It's amazing to have him back. Um, obviously, for, for a little bit of selfish reasons, we're really happy to to get him back, get him back next to me, man. He's, he's amazing. Uh, one of the smartest dudes out there on the field. And, you know, I think the sky's the limit for him, man. He's uh, he's one of the most impressive human beings I've ever seen. I'll put it that way. So,
0: no, I'm, I'm excited for Lou, man. You look to your left and you see Olu. You look to your right now where Juice Scruggs used to reside, there's, there's some new faces there. Let's start with Hunter Norzad, <laughs> the, the man who stepped up in, at left guard when, when you had to, to you know leave the field last year, started the remainder of the season mm-hmm. there. What has it been like to work off uh, of reps with him and how is he kind of taken to that identity of a center, which is going to be different than anywhere else in the line?
3: Yeah, no, I think Hunt, I mean, obviously, you know, coming from, uh, coming from Cornell, he's a, he's a super smart guy, but he's just like that on the field. Um, He's always, you know, directing traffic, making the right ID. He knows every play inside and out. You know, he could describe every play with three-page essays. I mean, he, he's exactly what you want in the center, man. Tough, gritty guy. Um, so, I mean, we love Hunt. Super happy to get him back, too. Um, so, I, I really think this is a special offensive
0: line. Like, we're, we're really excited about this room. And when I, when I sat down next to you in Pasadena, um, right in between you was was Nick Dawkins. And both of you were kind of like, this is great, but this is kind of a bummer that we're not involved. And you were hoping to get back for the spring ball. He was able to do that. What's the step forward been like that? We know he has all the personality in the world. But as a football player, where do you see Nick Dawkins now in year four? A guy who's also getting a lot of work at center.
3: Yeah, no, Nick, Nick is really impressive, too. Another guy that knows, you know, he knows the playbook inside and out. Uh, You know, super, super impressive guy. Um, Handles all his business. Um, You know, we're really excited for Nick. Honestly, become become a a leader on this team as well. Um, He's a guy we always look to 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 get us to get us amped up for practice, all that stuff. Um, You know, look for him to definitely he's going to make an impact. He's a he's a special guy. Absolutely. So definitely keep an eye out for Nick Dolphins, man.
0: And then also in the interior, I got to ask about Venga Ioane because you know you don't get far in a lot of conversations about the future of this offensive line without his name coming up in a hurry. Maybe the future is here already in 2023, and we're going to see a lot of him. What impressed you most about his early uh, second-year practice uh, segments here in, in March and in April, and how do you think he carries that forward in the preseason camp and maybe gives himself a longer look?
3: Yeah, no. I mean, Venga, man, he's one of the strongest dudes You'll ever see, man, if he wants to if he wants to anchor down on you, you're not going anywhere clamp down on you. He's he's super impressive to watch. Um, so, no, I mean, we're, we're real excited for him. But I mean, he's definitely he's definitely. Yeah. When you talk about the future of Penn State offensive line, I mean, definitely bang man. He's he's uh. I just love being next to him. He's always trying to learn
0: hard worker. Uh, so we're really excited about his future, no doubt. I've been working my way left to right here, if you couldn't tell. So I want to go to the right tackle position now. It's one that James Franklin has talked about a lot in the spring as as a competition they're excited for as a staff. Caden Wallace, back for year five, like you, missed a chunk of the season last last year due to injury. And then Drew Shelton, one of those several linemen who stepped up last November and and helped carry that through the Rose Bowl, left tackle. Now he's switched over to right tackle. We heard there's some growing pains there with, with switching sides. What do you see from from those two this spring, and what does it mean to have each of them engaged in a competition like this? Yeah, no, no, they're
3: competing their butts off, man. They they both had great springs. Um, you know, we're real excited, and you know, one thing that competition it breeds is you know we now you know breeds depth too. Um, as we know, as you saw last year, a lot of us didn't make it all the way through the year. Uh, you know, obviously, knock on wood, <laughs> but um, but you got to have depth on the offensive line. You got to have pieces, and to have you know this this many guys that can play. Is honestly, it's a dream. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a dream for Coach Troutwine. We got a bunch of impressive guys on this offensive line. Uh, smart dudes, like I said, hardworking dudes that just put their head down and work, and really just want what's best for the team. So, I mean, we're all these
0: guys are working their butts off. We're really excited about this room. Got two more questions on the offensive front for you. Uh, Thank you for taking them. Uh, And I wanna get to uh, JB Nelson, who we've seen working at left guard as well a lot. He was another player who got involved there last year. I think when Hunter wasn't available in September, we saw him get a lot of run in September in one of those matchups. Where is he in year two? I know he had a pretty significant body transformation after making the jump from the junior college level. And is he a guy who can help Penn State at multiple positions? Yeah, JB, no,
3: JB's definitely a guy that's gonna help us out this year, man. Uh, He's definitely impressive, super physical guy that works hard. Um, Ever since he came here from LAC, you know, he's been awesome. We love him. He's, you know, he's one of my best friends here on campus. Uh, So we're really excited about JB. Definitely someone that's going
0: to help us out. And finishing here with a couple, uh, uh, three freshmen to talk about. Two have, have been repping at tackle. We saw Birchmeyer get involved at guard as well. Javen Williams at the left side. And then Anthony Donka uh, at guard over the course of our looks in spring ball. Could you go individually through those guys and about what has stood out through their first semester? Yeah, no, um, I, I think each of them,
3: honestly, they're all they're all super hard workers. They're all smart kids. I think Coach Trout is doing a great job of really building this room, not only great offensive linemen, but really, you know, really smart uh, kids that, you know, put the team first, guys that are, you know, selfless guys. Uh, And that's really what it takes to be an offensive lineman. Um, These guys are all sacrificing. They're all in the film room with us each day, you know, grinding. Uh, You know, these are dedicated kids that are talking about the, you know, the future of the Penn State offensive line. I mean, definitely be excited about these guys. All super athletic. Uh, Anthony Duncan might have the longest arms I've ever seen. Uh, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be all awesome. all of them have really been impressive and, and we're excited for them um uh, like i said just the, the this is the kind of the foundation that you know we started to really build for this offense you know we're just accepting the future it's a group
0: some group of guys and we know that the blue game uh blue white game was a battle with that defensive front uh they had their moments and and i'm sure that there was a lot of battles that we didn't see this spring. What has it been like? How would you describe this defensive line that Penn State's bringing to the field this year? And particularly, who are some of the guys who just gave you hell this spring? Yeah. Um, I would say the number
3: one word I would use is uh, athletic. Um, I mean, you look at – got Cha – I mean, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac. um, you got Devon Elise, Hakeem Beeman, man. You want to talk about someone that gives you hell, Hakeem Beeman – can got hands like Aaron Donald but he'll he'll get up under you and forklift you too so you got to be ready man um and then obviously man you look at guy like and Deese. I mean they're they're screaming off the edge you know definitely given given our guys work uh given the offensive line work it really is iron iron sharpens iron here at Penn State especially in
0: the trenches man uh we go at it every day you know, I'm not going to finish this interview with a defensive question, so let's go with an offensive one. Last time we had you on the show in January, you told me you were very impressed with Drew Aller's ability to eat a steak dinner when he joined you guys for for at a restaurant in the offensive line group. What are you most impressed by? What you saw during the five weeks of spring ball from the quarterback? Yeah, no, definitely some
3: poise setting in. Obviously, he's getting a little older, getting a little more comfortable, and you can definitely sense that uh, from you know from an offensive line standpoint, you know. Him really starting to get more comfortable back there, you know, directing traffic, directing us, really know what's going on. Uh, Definitely, you know, starting to become a leader. So yeah, we're really excited for for Drew's future. Um, Super impressive guy. Um,
0: I love him. Like I said, one of my best friends here as well. So uh, you know, we're we're really excited for him. All right, Landon Tengwall in year three with Penn State, working toward his redshirt sophomore season. We're going to see a lot of him on the field this fall. Landon, you've got a ton going on. We'll do our best to make sure all the appropriate links are, are where they need to be. But this Saturday, just a reminder, at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel in Annapolis, Maryland, a great opportunity to, to get together with a lot of Penn State players from that state. And those details can be found at lionslegacyclub.com. Landon, thank you very much. We'll, we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks so much, Tyler. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Lot going on for Landon Tengwall, who is a good representative for this program in terms of a lot of these guys who wear several different hats that don't involve a helmet. Let's jump into a different conversation now as we look at this 2023 Penn State depth chart and, and where the program is coming out of spring ball. Daniel Gallon, Mark Brennan, join us right now on the Lines 24-7 podcast. And guys, maybe I could have made it a lot easier on us and just said, Hey, Landon, can you go through the entire depth chart for us? But I didn't want to put that kind of pressure on the young man. So We'll put it on ourselves. First off, how you doing, Daniel? Mark, it's a beautiful day in Happy Valley.
1: It's, it's, it's great to be on here chatting and can't wait to get outside a little bit later today.
2: Yeah, yeah I wanted quick, to make a, little, uh, a quick note on Landon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I had a chance to stop by a Legacy event uh, on Friday, and uh, he was the first player there. And what a leader he's become, you know, not that he didn't always have those skills, but when they needed something done, the adults in the room, and he's obviously an adult, uh, but the, the older people in the room were like, Hey, Landon, could you get everybody to, uh, you know, know that there's a a silent auction going on? And Landon took over and announced to everybody that there's a silent auction, that there was pizza in the back. And, you know, he just kind of, to see, Knowing where uh, when we first saw him as a 14 year old at camp winning the big (laughs) man challenge against high school athletes, uh, you always knew that the physical aspect was there. But to see somebody grow as a leader, always been a super intelligent guy. And then to see him talking to you is just tremendous. So uh, that's fun. And, uh, you know, I would encourage people uh, if you're just getting in now, you know, you're crazy. Go back and watch the beginning of the replay. And uh, Landon just does a great job as always. Yeah. Big thanks to him. Um, and, and as Mark mentioned, if you need a guy to step up and be vocal in the
0: room, he's he's a good guy to have in that room. Mark, uh, you, you published it on Thursday morning we put our minds together on Wednesday to try to get this all figured out and finalized. And it is our depth chart coming out of Penn state spring ball. And a couple of things that you've got to be aware of here. We included guys who were missing time during the spring due to injuries because they're still part of this team. We did not include anybody who is not yet on this roster. So missing a couple of transfers you're missing several freshmen that are going to be joining before preseason camp gets underway Uh, but that's where things were and this is all unofficial because as we all know Penn State for the last few years does not put out any kind of an official depth chart and when they used to uh, it was usually I think one right before spring or right after spring and then uh, leading up to each game so let's have some fun let's have uh, maybe some debates here along the way Uh, does anyone want to make a push against who we have as QB1 and Mark that's Drew Aller right now.
2: No, nobody's going <laughs> to... F- first of all, let me just say this, that even when there was an official depth chart, it really wasn't all that official. I think they would put right, people right. in different places for strategic <laughs> reasons, maybe motivational purposes. But yeah, clearly, um, I- I'm going to stop beating the dead horse that that James Franklin wasn't asked about uh, who the QB1 was coming out of spring practice because some other questions were asked. Uh, but... Uh, he didn't really need to be asked. So I'll let that go. And I think it's obvious. Uh, Drew Aller is the guy, Josh Pate. had some great discussions with Drew Aller, with the coaching staff and, you know, Josh Pate is saying that he's number one. That's, that's Josh enough. Pate for me. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll take it from Josh, but I think he's clearly uh, the number one, obviously Bo Prebula, number two and uh, Jackson Smolick number three. So there's no question there whatsoever. I think one of the keys is getting a couple walk-ons on, uh in the uh in the in the summer uh for depth and for that scout team and you know maybe is there still something that could go on in the transfer portal there we we haven't heard anything about that uh james franklin didn't indicate that but they always have to keep their ears open and you don't know with uh with with the way he was talking about the way the phones were ringing you know who knows it would be a tough spot for a quarterback to come in obviously uh but right now i think that position is as defined as any position you know obviously running back you have an or situation there with two really good running backs but i think that position's about as defined as any of the positions
0: yeah and and when you look at jackson smoke's ability to get on campus as an early enrollee which is status quo now you don't see a lot of quarterbacks showing up in may or or june at this point in college football but really an important step for this program because otherwise maybe you are going to be little more desperate to find a potential partner in the transfer portal, which, as you said, is a tough task at quarterback with this current depth chart. Jackson Smolick gives you some accountability at this point. He'll give you more accountability once he gets through August to the point where you feel like he's a guy that can carry that clipboard at least and, and, and chime in when he needs to. You hope he doesn't have to see much action. He- one pass in the blue-white game, which which you pointed out earlier. And as you said, for practice purposes, really important to get some more arms in this camp. Uh, They did not have any walk-on arms during spring ball, uh, leading up to to the Rose Bowl last year with Bay Air exiting. They didn't have a lot of arms then. So it's going to be big to have two walk-ons during the program. At running back, you can work your way through those top two, put them in any order you want. I think Katron Allen uh, got the, got about four or five starts last year, and Nick Singleton ended up with six or seven, and Kevon Lee got the first couple. It uh, doesn't really matter, and clearly the plan worked. I mean, neither of these guys went 25-plus carries in a single game. They typically landed somewhere between 16 to 21 carries per game, um, and they all played 13 games, which makes it really important to bring up running back three in this situation. Trey Potts, who's due on campus for weeks, twelve hundred uh, career rushing yards with Minnesota, the number two guy there a couple a couple last couple of years, may have had a big twenty twenty one season uh, if it hadn't suffered an injury in his own right after Mo Ibrahim goes down, and then you work your way through some unknowns, walk-ons, uh, guys who have been on campus for a while, and Tank Smith and Tyler Holsworth and Emil Davis, two years for Davis and Holsworth. Tank Smith's been here for what feels like four years, I think, at this point, uh, and a couple freshmen, Cam Wallace and and London Montgomery, who's coming off a knee injury that cost him his entire senior year. Um, I don't think there's a lot that we're missing from running back as part of the conversation, but if I did,
1: Daniel, feel free to pick it up and then take us over to the tight end room. No, I think that that running back kind of like tight end, which we'll talk about, is is pretty cut and dry when you look at you know you have your your top line guys at the top. They're not interchangeable as Players, but in terms of this exercise, uh, you know, it kind of doesn't matter whether your your number one is Katron Allen or Nick Singleton. And then the biggest question, I think, with this depth chart moving forward is how exactly you know Cam Wallace and London Montgomery fit into that room. Um, I know that there's questions about uh, each player's physical readiness to contribute when they get here uh, this summer, um, but you know, can one of those guys be? Be a fourth running back if if it comes to that will they be ready for that um, I think that's something that you're going to monitor but it's kind of hard to overstate uh, how big and how needed that addition of Trey pots was uh, in terms of having that security blanket and making sure that someone isn't necessarily thrust into a role before they're ready to and, and
0: so, so many of the things that Jay Wan talks about, guys, is the, the pass blocking. The, the non-getting-the-football aspects of being a running back, and Trey Potts can check all that kind of stuff off the list after four years of playing at Minnesota. The last few of, of being a real viable option in, in a backfield at the Big Ten level. Um, and and Daniel at tight end, as you said, we look at the top, and although things may be a bit murky because we haven't seen them in action since January and in, in, in the Rose Bowl, but Theo Johnson – Tyler Warren, very established. You can point to availability issues maybe on both their ends because of how their snaps have gone the last couple of years, but so far separated from the rest of this tight end group, which you can you can dissect for us a bit here.
1: Definitely. I think that Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are definitely your headliners there. Um, I mean, we've talked about it since pretty much the second half of last season when Theo Johnson really started to come on, uh, that he is someone who has a, a very high ceiling uh, he's someone that can make a lot of plays where you can be super productive. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he comes along uh, in the blocking aspect of the game. Uh, you know, we saw Brenton Strange do a lot of that, you know, dirty work as that H back. Uh, he, you know, Theo Johnson is a different body type, um, but it'll be it'll be worth watching how he's mm-hmm. maybe become more well rounded. Uh, you know, how he's been able to add that to his game. Um, and then Tyler Warren, I think that he was really stuck in that number three role it felt like the past couple of years and you know in the red zone he was a weapon uh in terms of some of the catches that he's made you know in and around the goal line you know in the end zone there's you know he's got some acrobatic skills um you know we did see some you know, more downfield passing. I think he had the long touchdown catch against Minnesota. Uh, But I'm really interested to see what a a bigger role looks like for him, especially in the passing game. Um, You know, maybe used a little bit less as a gadget player, even though I'm sure Mike Yurcich is looking forward to that. Um, But then down at the bottom, you know, I am curious to see if Jerry Cross is able to maybe push Khalil Dinkins uh, for that number three spot. Jerry Cross has not played a lot of football, Uh, these past couple of years you know he had covid and injuries uh you know really wiped out the end of his high school career out in milwaukee Uh, and then coming in you know james franklin revealed last year that he had a preseason injury that he was working through and didn't really get onto the practice field until the the later part of the season um so you know now that he's had this this year in the program i mean physically he looks very impressive very imposing um, you know, so you know, what does that battle look like for number three? So, yeah, I think that among those top four guys, I think that you have the potential to you know kind of keep this tight end group humming like we saw the past couple of years. I mean, you know, you don't really have a Brenton Strange type athlete in that group, um, but I think that it's a group that can be successful, and then you kind of it's wait and see uh, with the freshmen, you know what they look like. Can Joey Schlaffer come in? Uh, maybe do something you know we've talked a lot about mega barnwell and his future Uh, and then when andrew rappelier gets here i think he's maybe a bit of a wild card in terms of pushing some of the guys ahead of him who've already been here
0: It was such an uneven year for both Johnson and Warren uh, when when you look, I mean, and Brenton Strange, because Brenton Strange for the first half of the season was putting up numbers that rivalled just about any tight end in the big 10. And I I don't think he'd reached 30, 40 receiving yards in in, in any of the rest of the games. Whereas Theo Johnson, he exploded after the halfway point of the season and Tyler Warren had a, had a key role early in the passing game because Theo Johnson wasn't available. If you remember at Purdue, Warren got a ton of run, but there was a stretch in big 10 play there where, where Penn state was really not having him on the field much. I think he was playing two or 10 or fewer snaps in three consecutive games there uh, late October, early November started to come on strong down the stretch. He's a guy I, I want to see that full look at for a full season. Cause through three years, we just haven't had it. And he's been such a captivating figure. I, I know that when Barton Simmons was on our show back when he was the director of scouting with 24 seven sports. Now he's the general manager down at Vanderbilt for their football program. But he thought Warren was, in that particular class for Penn State, the 2020 class, had as much of a high ceiling kind of unknown commodity of anybody. And they said he might make us look silly for listening as a three-star tight end down the road, but we can't go giving out blue chip ratings to guys who haven't played the position before. We've got a three-year sample size now. He feels like he's maybe a ticking time bomb, though, if he can put it together from a health standpoint. And that's a big if right now. now we haven't seen these guys. We don't know the details. And if we knew the specifics, we would not be talking about it here on the podcast. And when it comes to each of them, you know, there is a little bit of a checkered history in that availability department. So you're thinking they're going to be taxed with those, uh, those reps this year as frontline tight ends. And, and I think Theo Johnson, you talk about drafts, draft stock that could skyrocket on this roster. Uh, you know, he's go for launch if it happens for him. Wide receiver room, Mark Brennan, um, it's, it's been very much on um, a point of emphasis for James Franklin to make sure we all are well aware that there's a lot of unknown in there. Uh, we came out of the blue-white game, I think, with a better understanding of, of how things were trending in the room, specifically with Omari Evans. You can probably cluster C- Caden Saunders in that conversation as well, but slot K- uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith as a senior in one starting spot, slot Harrison Wallace as a redshirt sophomore in another starting spot, and then everybody have at it with maybe a few guys building an edge coming out of spring ball.
2: Yeah, I'm such a loser that I went back and re-watched the entire blue-white game on the, uh, the the video of it, and then just going through the, the 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 eye in the sky photos that I take during the game, and I was a little surprised at how much they've played that top trio. And I think we can say Amari Evans is in that top trio uh, now with the first team, and I, and and I assume that's because they want to develop that chemistry. Uh, not just with Drew Aller, but with just the first team in general because that trio was in there with Bo Pribula as well. But there were very few sub-ins during the game. Here and there, a little bit, but just not an awful lot. And that's a far cry. Even with about a week to go, I think it was, Tyler, was it two weeks to go, when you asked James Franklin about the the wide receiver position, he was very – I think it was you or whoever it was, he was very reluctant to mention anybody other than – uh, Lambert Smith and, and and Trey Wallace. I mean, he didn't me- he 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 didn't mention. But he anything. wasn't re- he was re- he refused. He re- he wasn't reluctant. He refused to do yeah. it. Yeah, and, 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 and that, that, that was really that yeah. yeah that really changed. And, and I think what he was trying to get across, obviously to, to Amari Evans, is like you you need to step up. And once he did that in a blue white game outside of his uh, celebration. Um, he he. Then all of a sudden, James Franklin, Franklin was talking about you know how how well he's done, and he looks like he's kind of separated himself a little bit. But obviously, after that, is where you really wonder, you know. And you know, we had somebody, and, and I would actually agree with this. Um, somebody had mentioned that maybe Caden Saunders should be ahead of Liam Clifford in the slot, and that would be a fair. I think that's that's fair. Uh, um, that that may be like an either or uh, situation. Yeah. Um, But yeah, as you look down, you know, Malik McClain, I like some of what we were able to see there. Uh, You know, Malik Mega, I think he's kind of like when we put together that now or never list going into the season, I think he's going to be a guy who's kind of on that now or never list. He's really established himself as a special teams player an outstanding player on special teams but he's yet to really show those natural pass receiving skills we saw a little bit of Tyler Johnson and Anthony Ivey was a guy I liked obviously Dante Cephas is coming in uh he looks like he's angry he looks like he's he's ready to to, to get some things done so we'll see how he fits into all this but let's go back to what James Franklin said and what Drew Aller said after the blue white game It is imperative for all these receivers and quarterbacks to get in Haluba Hall, uh, get on those outdoor practice fields, and get as much work in as possible. Because when you look at the rest of that offense, boy, they are loaded. And I think the talent is there. The talent is there, obviously, at quarterback. And I think the talent is there at wide receiver. It's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page. But I love the fact that they came out of the spring – with what appears to be a clear cut top three. I think that's always good going into preseason camp.
0: I like what, what they have cooking in the slot right now. What, you know that was a question I think going into the offseason, how that would work out. Country Lambert Smith by all counts has had a strong uh, had a strong spring, quiet blue-white game Not worried about that. I look at the box scores from the last several years with guys who ended up, like like you alluded to before, don't dig too deep into that box score. Uh, But I, I, I think you're right. I mean, whether you go next on that list is Liam Clifford, who you have heard some good things about, but not to the point where there's necessarily buzz about him in year three. And Caden Saunders exiting spring ball, that trajectory seems to be... Where you'd hope it would be compared to where it's coming out of his first year, it's pointing upward. The speed is translating now to the receiver position, as we talked about on on Saturday in the post game with Daniel. Uh, a lot of these guys showed up with some really gaudy forty yard dash times, outstanding straight line speed. But doesn't mean you're seeing that on the practice field in year one. It doesn't mean you're seeing it against one of the best defensive backfields in college football in year one. And you may not see it in year two, but it seems like the turning point has been reached. So if we put Omari Evans and bump him up to one of those more sure things. And maybe that's investing a little too much uh, at this point based on five catches in the blue white game and, and a good last stretch of spring ball. But let's do it for the sake of the conversation. You're bringing in Dante Cephas, who was one of the more productive receivers at the group of five levels during the last couple of seasons. There's a fourth guy that you think you have really figured out. This is where it gets interesting to me because a guy like Caden Saunders Guy like Anthony Avi, uh, you talked about Tyler Johnson on Saturday as well. You know, I know Malik Mega's in that conversation, but a lot of those guys, uh, to round out the top six that they're looking for at receiver, I think they have the ingredients. I think that they're there, and I don't think it, it takes a lot to get there. but uh, it, it, as we've seen, we've we've kind of gone through the list of receivers for this team before Daniel and said, now, last year, no. oh, here's how you get to six, and they never got there last year either. But it feels like they're going to have four going into camp that, that we think they can hang their hat on, and now I'm throwing Amari Evans in that group. Can they get to six? That's going to be a big question mark, maybe for how explosive, how much range this offense could have because you're going to have guys get nicked up, banged up. You're going to have defenses approaching you in different ways. You may not always have all of your tight ends available on the field, and you want to be able to tap into this too deep.
1: Yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking about, last year in the preseason when James Franklin said that, you know, pretty definitively that he felt that they had a two deep across the board at all three spots that he felt like they could Mm -hmm. go six deep. And then once we got into the season, we didn't really see that come to fruition. Um, You know, I think that Harrison Wallace flashed a little bit there as, as the number four. Um, And it's, it's been kind of a similar thing the past two years where outside of the top three that, you know, get the most run, we haven't really seen, you know, the flashes from a fourth or fifth or even sixth guy um, so I, you know I agree with you that I think the pieces are all there um, I don't think it would hurt them to add another piece from the outside uh, through the transfer portal if they can find the right wide receiver um, for what they're looking for but you know I do think that you know they have enough guys that they should be able to find six um, out of there you know they've you know, the recruiting these guys have come in as, as pretty good prospects. You know, there's a number of top two, four, seven guys in there. You have a top 100 guy in there and Caden Saunders. Um, so you want to see these guys take the right step forward. Um, and, you know, I, I think that this group, you know, talking to someone like Caden Saunders, I think that you can kind of see the, the attitude and the, and the determination. Um, you know, I talked to them a little bit after the blue-white game about, you know, Franklin being pretty public about wanting to see them step up, you know, about needing to see them step up and, you know, and how they view that. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, with the change that they've had uh, in the room in terms of Marcus Hagan's coming in um, with some of the talent that's in there now, um, I do think that they, you know, are you know, chomping at the bit a little bit to get going and improve themselves. Um, but it's kind of like what we talked about with, you know, the offensive line last year, where it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to look at the recruiting rankings, to look at the talent, look on the practice field, but you know, one we have to get to Saturdays and, you know, have them show it to us.
0: And I think those outside receiver positions are where you really focus in for these competitions going into the summer um, because you, you got a, a guy like Malik McLean should be much better footing with this f- program uh, in terms of hitting the, the ground running come summer camp versus where he was coming in from Florida State. Uh, Malik Mega's is a guy working on the outside, but the, the, that cluster of younger guys is really where you watch. And then, of course, Dante Cephas, who uh, a lot of people here already have penciled in as moving up the depth chart in a hurry when he gets to campus. The offensive line, you can go in a lot of different directions. Uh, the point being they got six guys back who started at least five games last year, and that's something that not a lot of programs across the country can point to. We just had a, a nice – Dissection of a lot of the offensive linemen uh, with Lennon Tangwall. So I don't think we need to necessarily dive too deep into this, but Brendan, I'll, I'll throw this your way. What is your biggest concern right now for an offensive line group that carries a lot of positive momentum compared to any other point, any other offseason I've covered this beat?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably that right tackle spot. I mean, you know, it's tough because at left tackle, you're looking at a guy who's going to be a high first round draft pick. And you know, I think between Shelton and Wallace, they're they're going to be okay there. But I just think I would like to see one of them kind of step up and seize it in the in the preseason. I think that's kind of a that that's kind of a key. I mean, they have three they have three good tackles. They have one great tackle, uh, and I think that's that's really key. And then you know, across the board with respect to depth, you know, they are as deep as they've been since probably the mid nineties. But some of these guys haven't seen a lot of football. Some of them haven't played a lot. You know, you talked about uh, Venga to to Landon. And, yeah, I think we see him. And, you know, it was pretty funny. We saw the one play out there where he basically body slammed Kalen King. And you just look at how big and powerful this guy is. (laughs) But he hasn't been out there in game situations. So you think it's going to project. But is it? I also, you know, I, I guess from a, a positive standpoint, I like what they, they were doing with J.B. Nelson, playing him at tackle, playing him at guard. You, you always need that utility guy. You know, they had Bryce Efner the last couple of years, a guy who you could pretty much plug in anywhere, maybe not the most talented guy uh but he's going to go in and he's going to hold things down if you get into a little bit of a bind i think jb nelson may have a higher upside than bryce efner and that's not a knock on bryce because i thought bryce did some good things for them uh but i just think physically if you look at jb nelson uh he has the opportunity to maybe have a higher upside and then it's just going to be fun again another guy i'm sorry nick dawkins Mm -hmm. you know just hasn't played so if you get bumped up at center you know and you know knock on wood that hunter norzad's okay Nick Dawkins appears to check the boxes, but we just haven't seen him. He was bumped up all of last year. So, you know, that top six, they should be fine there uh, ultimately. But when it comes to depth, I really like what I see, but it's going to be – I just think getting these guys in games early in the season, getting them some reps if possible, if you're fortunate enough to to, to get leads in games, getting some of those backups – will make this offensive line even stronger. But that's a lot of nitpicking. I think this is going to be a really good offensive line overall. But for the sake of this discussion, I do think we kind of nitpick things. And those would be be some of the things that stick out to me. And if you're a Penn State fan, isn't that the beautiful thing about this
0: 2023 roster? It requires a lot of nitpicking. I mean, how much time have we spent investing into like the the second-team safeties and the second-team offensive line? And who's going to be the third tight end or the third running back? I mean, these are – good problems to have for a program at this point in the calendar year. Uh, I would say I'm wondering, do they get to week one with a couple of rotations in place like they did last year? You know, I think Phil Troutline has proven he's not afraid to get a longer look at guys when they get into a season. If he feels like two guys at one position aren't going to inhibit your ability to win and maybe they can thrust you forward. And you're not sure if one guy's the, the guy to put all your eggs in that basket yet. Yeah, Last year we saw left guard two involved from game one on hunter norzad was the next in behind lennon tengwall we saw bryce efner being involved on a rotational aspect and ultimately what happened the starters at both of those spots got hurt and the guys who were rotating in became starters and they were prepared for the opportunity so a, a couple spots i'll be looking at I, I think a right tackle is an obvious one Do we get to a point where against west virginia on september 2nd you see Caden wallace the, the, the fifth year senior operate at that position for the first three series. And then you see the second-year man, Drew Shelton, trot on the field, and he gets a couple uh, under his belt. Uh, is that going to be the approach at right tackle? Is that the right approach? That's up to Phil line, Mike Yersich, and James Franklin. And then at right guard, Salim Wormley was the guy there last year for 13 games. It was a really good comeback story after missing the 2021 season with an injury. But what we've heard about Venga leaves you to wonder, is he going to be left on the sidelines on a routine basis, or will they find a way – to get him involved, based on their game plan, not not based on need, not based on a potential injury, but based on your game plan that you're structuring. So, I think those are those are some really key areas to watch. Um, and 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 Daniel, anything else to, to chime in on the offensive line before we switch to the other side of the trenches?
1: No, I, I think Mark really did a good job running it down. Where you know at this time last year, when you would look at the offensive line, I mean it's it's pretty night and day. Um, and I think you have a lot of bodies there, but you, know, you do have some questions about depth because with some of these guys that you're counting on to be those next, next men up, you know, someone like JV Nelson, someone like Vanga, you haven't really seen it yet uh, in the game. So that you know, a couple of those non-conference games, you know, other times, if you can get them in, get them reps, I think that's going to be really important. And
0: I want oh, by the way, can, can one of
1: those freshmen, whether it's
0: Alex Birchmeyer, <laughs> Javon Williams assert themselves as a a viable game option at the tackle position, not somebody that you need to incorporate in the game plan. But if for whatever reason, Drew Shelton's a full-time starter for you or or one of those right tackles isn't available and you need a third tackle and he he becomes your third Mm -hmm. tackle – is one of those freshmen going to be ready for that role? We know uh, Javen Williams has a athleticism through the roof. Sounds like Alex Birchmeyer came to campus very ready to compete as we thought he might. He's been getting reps at guard and tackle, uh, but something else to look at, at, at just because we saw this tackle depth tested in a huge way. Both of your starters for the first half of the season we're not your starters for the second half of the season. And so that brings into that fourth tackle conversation. Jimmy Christ hit the transfer portal earlier this week, and, and those freshmen could be involved there, as could, could J.B. Nelson, as Mark said. When we look at the defensive line, it's it's a real luxury for this program right now. I know that defensive tackle's on maybe that wish list when you're trying to nitpick this roster, and could you add a fourth or fifth defensive tackle to help shore things up there? But as things currently stand, and, and as they are currently constructed, you can go really four deep at the defensive end position. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Then things become a little more interesting with some wildcard guys. But when you have Chop Robinson denied Dennis Sutton, I'm going to put Amin Vanover in the conversation and Adiza Isaac leading the charge off the edge based on the football that they've already played to this point, based on the steps forward, I think that we think are there for all of them, especially a guy like denied Dennis Sutton in his second year on campus, and a guy like Chop Robinson in his first full offseason playing the defensive end uh, position. I mean, there is a lot to like about the way they
2: can attack quarterbacks,
0: and that's without working your way into, like, I'll phrase them as wild cards like Smith, Vilbert, and Zariah Fisher.
2: Yeah, deny. I'll tell you what, to to have that guy as a, you know, effectively coming off the bench, that's ridiculous. I mean, if he is just, you know – uh, we, we were joking a little bit about you naming him MVP when my guy Zariah had a sack stolen from him. But seriously, the upside for, for deny is just you can't deny it. Sorry, but it's uh, I know I've used that before, but yeah, at the uh, at that Lions Legacy event, you can't believe how big that dude is. I mean. Uh, what what, they, what do they list him at? I don't have my roster here, but it's uh, if he's six, if he's he's at least six six. I'm I'm telling you, and huge. And I just bring that sort of player off the bench, or I mean, they're not they're viewing him as a starter. I mean, James Franklin said that, but that's where you're starting to talk about an embarrassment of riches. And this is another area where you're talking about if you want to compete for uh, the college football playoff, this is the kind of depth that you need. Uh, you know, you you have to be – you're in there in the fourth quarter and this guy's coming in, not playing – you know, he'll, he'll play throughout the game, but he'll be fresh. Adisa will be fresh. Chop will be fresh. I mean, these guys will be fresh coming off the edge and you start using that Prowler package and moving guys around and doing this crazy stuff. I mean, it is just uh, – it is just going to be really fun to see. The one thing about D-tackle, though, that, that concerns me a little bit is – you don't have that big kind of earth mover that you had in PJ last year in Mustafar. I mean, you have a lot of very good players, but you don't have that one huge guy. And I wonder if they're able to find somebody like that in the portal uh, that may not be an every down type player, but you want them for those short yardage type situations. But that's the one area. Because I think otherwise, you look at where they are, defensive tackle with Beeman and Durant. Uh, Devon Elise, I think, is an underrated player. Uh, You know, I don't think he's a superstar player, but I think he's a guy who's going to grind it out and be really good. And then with Izzard coming back and Vandenberg's played some some good snaps and uh, you just go down, uh, Townley flashed a little bit. I mean, they have the talent there. I just don't think they have that one huge player, one big player uh, like PJ, who's able to really get in there and stuff things up against the run.
0: Mark, by the way, the Dennis unlisted listed six five two sixty two right now on the roster. Yeah, he's so taller than that man. He, he's a big fella for sure, and that, that he's going to continue to get bigger. Uh, and a name that that came up there, I mean, you went down that defensive tackle group, and, and you went down the defensive end list. Uh, but I, 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 you can't figure out where a few of these guys are going to land. But Caleb Artis is one that I really cling to a little bit here, and saying, well, he's got the big body, six foot four, three hundred fifteen pounds really looks like a different guy than than the freshman who came to campus last year it's a lot to ask for a guy to make that kind of a leap going from a non-factor to a rotational player in year two but in the next several months as they sort through what they've got at defensive tackle whether or not they bring in a transfer player Daniel you've mentioned it before maybe Caleb Artis is is more part of the solution there than people are giving credit to here in 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 mid-April
1: yeah I mean if he can put it together, if he can be playable, I think that that unlocks some things for that defense. Uh, just having that big body in the middle. You know, I, I kind of agree with James Franklin about not adding size just for size's sake, but at the same time, even if you, have, even if you put the size out there, it's still there. It's still something to account for. So yeah, I'm interested to see if he can put himself into a position where he is playable, you know, where he can do some things, Maybe it's just in short yardage packages. Maybe it's in a package with a couple of DTs uh, in there. So, you know, I think that he's someone, you know, who has a big couple of months ahead of him uh, in terms of getting himself ready to contend, getting ready to compete. Um, you know, you talk about these bigger guys coming in and competing in the trenches. It's It's hard to find guys who can come in and compete, you know, as a true freshman, you know, even as a second year guy. There's going to be some growing pains, there's still a lot of development um that's left if you're not in the you know top half of the top one percent um so you know i think caleb Artis, you know is someone who if he is making these steps forward if he is you know in a position to play he can change the complexion of that uh defensive line a little bit but you know it's it's no surprise that defensive tackle is a position that james franklin mentioned um as one that they're they're keeping an eye on as they go into the offseason season. I'll throw one more name in there,
0: Sam Siafa. He, he I think he did some two-way lineman work in year one as a walk-on. He went to high school with Drew Shelton. Uh, I, I noticed him on the field this year playing some defensive tackle uh, this spring. I thought I thought he was moving around pretty well. We got a bit of a look at him in the spring game. Just another body out there for them to work with. But I thought uh, just just the, from a walk-on perspective, seeing the guy move out or around out there with the defensive line, He's another defensive tackle to know out there, Sam Siafa. As of right now, not going to see a major impact movement coming in this summer at defensive tackle. Or defensive end you got some freshmen coming in but no one that we're really circling as, as far as coming in september and, and making a big play by the way uh we talk about getting after the quarterback abdul carter showed he can do a lot of that from the linebacker position last year his versatility and the versatility of curtis jacobs that linebacker seem to open the floodgates on what many diaz might be able to come up with between now and september 2nd and beyond because we have firmly put Tony Rojas into that green light category. Maybe they haven't done it uh, publicly as a staff yet, but I think we're going to see Tony Rojas go full steam ahead as a freshman. And maybe Tamir Robinson puts himself in that conversation too, by the time August wraps up. But right now you look at a team that returned five of the top six linebackers in terms of defensive snaps from that roster last season. The only guy who's out of the mix is Jonathan Sutherland. Insert Tony Rojas. Hello, Benny Diaz. Enjoy your summer of game
2: planning. Mark Brennan, take it away. Uh, going back and rewatching the blue-white game, Manny Diaz was blitzing. I mean, come <laughs> on, man, against that, against that poor white offense. And people are, like, being critical of the second-team offense. And, you know, they're, they're, he's – Rabuel is getting attacked by Kobe King and Abdul Carter. It's like, come on. It's It was like that, – that was unbelievable to see. But, yeah, hey, you know, you, you, you talk about Rojas and – what I loved in going back and watching that is how chippy that guy was. Oh, my God. He was, like, bumping into people. And, uh, you know, e- even if he doesn't play a lot, but I do think he's going to be greenlit, and I do think he's going to see reps. Uh, that's a guy who's really – he seems like a perfect fit for special teams, doesn't he? I just think he could be somebody who goes out there and, and crushes skulls on on special teams, just the attitude that he has. Uh, you know, you never want to see players uh, get banged up the way uh, Elsden and DeLuca were. But the the the, the hidden, kind of, hidden kind of blessing there is that that opened up way more snaps for Rojas and Tamir uh, during the spring. And, you know, every time we were at practice, what was the one thing that we said about Rojas? He wasn't necessarily at the front of the line because the two alphas were at the front of the line in Abdul Carter, and uh, the big dog, Curtis Jacobs. But Rojas was usually number three. He kind of knew his spot, but he was pushing his way up there. And just to see the reps that those guys got, and then for them to come into the blue-white game and both of them to play well in front of that crowd, I thought was really good. But this is this is almost like the offensive line uh, that w- when, when Daniel was talking about it before, I mean, last year at this time, We were wondering who was going to be where and how things were going to play play out for for linebacker. And now, wow. I mean, their starting unit is going to be really good. Uh, You have two Mikes who have played a ton of football. And then you have backups who look like they are really effective type players. So I love what they have at linebacker. And again, Manny Diaz blitzing these guys against poor Bo Pribula in that second team offensive line. That was just unfair. We, we've got, uh, as currently constructed,
0: Rojas as, as the third-team Sam behind Don DeLuca. Uh, tough spring for DeLuca to miss. A guy who's got a lot working in his favor right now with Penn State, and he's a, a spring ball team captain. But in terms of, of, of not being able to put some looks out there at linebacker and, and, and Rojas doing a lot of that work, I wonder how that shapes up at Sam uh, with, with Curtis Jacobs as the presumed starter there. Uh, how much do we see Rojas involved? How quickly does he get in there behind Jacobs? And then how much do we see Rojas maybe get involved at the Will linebacker position? You know, we know that they've done some cross-training work there. I think Manny Diaz believes that, Rojas can handle those duties, but you know, how does that impact the guy like Keon Wiley who's in development behind uh, Abdul Carter at the will position? You know, I think Rojas has a chance here to maybe stifle some of those snap plans for a guy like DeLuca or Keon Wiley in both of those roles. And, and then does Abdul Carter Based on what they want to do with this linebacker group and, and different packages they want to show, and Manny Diaz just trying to get his best eleven on the field at a particular time, does tool Carter start to to, to chop into some of those reps at, at Mike and, and to the detriment or uh, individual detriment, I guess you could say, of Kobe King mm-hmm. and Tyler Elson. These all got, these guys all want to the, to win games, and, and, and Manny Diaz wants to get them there, but it's going to be interesting uh, who has to take take a step back because you're not going to see an even distribution across six linebackers here. And you're going to see a guy like Abdul Carter rarely leave the field. Probably the same for Curtis Jacobs. What does that mean with the kind of, you know, fifth defensive back schemes they like to play? And how does that impact who's going to play a bunch? Really curious because it's a luxury, but at the same time, it's a lot to digest for Manny Diaz because you're going to be leaving some talented defenders on the sideline at linebacker over the course of this season.
1: Yeah. I, I really want to see how Manny Diaz mixes and matches um, as we go through the year. I mean, I think we saw it last year with Abdul Carter playing his way onto the field and the fact that they had the flexibility to move Jacobs back to the Sam uh, and play Carter at the will. Um, and then in the Prowler package, it would just be Jacobs and, and Carter out there. So you know, I want to see, you know, what kind of things they're able to do, um, you know, how to move guys around, how to get different combinations of linebackers uh, onto the field together in in different situations. But, you know, this, this group is deep. Uh, You know, I, you know, I really do like that combination of Kobe King and Tyler Elson in the middle. You know, I think that those are two guys that, you know, have their limitations, but, you know, know this defense, have experience, and can be kind of right place at the right time, uh, linebackers for you. Um, and then I think you look at just Carter, Jacobs, uh, potentially Rojas, uh, even DeLuca, you know, I think that those are guys that can be playmakers, that that can make things happen. So, you know, I, when I moved, when I came here to Penn State, you know, you hear a lot about LBU, uh, and I think that, you know, you, you start to see it uh, come together with with this group. Kavion
0: Key is incoming as well, top 24-7 linebacker uh, from Virginia, making the move to campus this summer. Defensive backfield, uh, a lot of jobs uh, that, that whoever starts the game isn't necessarily going to play the most snaps. We're going to see a ton of, of, of reps dispersed across this secondary as we did last season. But let's start with the safety position, guys. You got Keaton Ellis, a returning starter. I think he played the th- the third most snaps among all safeties last year, but he started every game across from Jair Brown. Um, ends up being selected as a def- defensive team captain coming out of spring ball. So Safe to assume he's locked up one of the starting jobs. You look across the field, we didn't get to see Jalen Reed in the blue-white game. We saw a lot of him during the spring. Uh, That meant more reps for a guy like Wheatley. It meant more reps uh, with the first team for for Makai Flowers. But I think Wheatley's a focus there because we've seen a lot of, uh, of Big Ten action for him based on last year. We saw less of that for K.J. Winston, right around 100 defensive snaps to his credit, but I'm going to make the case that we got to make sure we, we include him in the conversation for who emerges at starter. I understand why we went with Wheatley or Jalen Reed in that role. Uh, but I think Winston has that kind of surging power this offseason to, 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 to get to the finish line come September and be one of those. Wow, that guy won the starting job kind of moments in, in year two.
2: Yeah, one thing when we when we do this, you, you can only put so many ors in there, or it becomes confusing <laughs> for people, and that's why we put Winston uh, under Keaton Ellis. I mean, he, he that could be a triple or on the other side. I just don't. I, I don't think you name a team captain who started every game last year and don't expect him to still be the starter if he's healthy. So yeah. I think he's going to be the starter, but I think all four of those guys are going to play a ton of football, and I think that's as good of a foursome at safety as they've had. Uh, you know, just in a long time. You know, KJ Winston was a guy who was the buzz, another buzz guy coming out of uh, spring practice. Seems every time that we ask somebody, uh, whether on the record or off off the record, who was who, who was worth watching, who was playing well, his name came up over and over and over again. Some people even project him as a future All American. So, yeah, I think all all four of those guys are going to be really good players for them. I think they're just in a terrific spot there especially when they start figuring out exactly what they're going to do with that Prowler package, with the nickel, with the different uh, things that they do. And that's the other thing when you go back to linebacker. Hey, Manny Diaz has shown that um, he loves playing these multiple defensive back kind of uh, sets and the creativity with the defensive ends where he'll play three defensive ends. But he is not afraid to lean on a lot of different defensive backs. And I think with the core of – safeties that they have that's a really good starting place then when you expand that out to what they have at cornerback and even nickel with daquan hardy when you talk about the mix and match options daniel i mean at linebacker now all of a sudden you're looking at the secondary and where you can play all of these different guys i mean i just think they're in a really good spot even having lost a guy as good as jair brown you can wreak some serious havoc with this back seven. I mean,
0: and, and if you're an offensive coordinator and if you're a quarterback, series by series, you're just not quite sure who's going to be lined up across the field. And we've discussed it. It's not just the, the speed and athleticism back there in the secondary. It is elite level length. And that can erase some things for you as an offense. And it may take a mistake or two for you to realize
2: that those options have been erased. And who's coming after your quarterback? I mean, because you never know. They will They, <laughs> they will bring people from anywhere. Daquan Hardy is an effective pass rusher as little as he is. I mean, I know he didn't do it as much last year as he did the year before, but all of those guys, I think, are completely comfortable attacking the QB, so that makes it even more fun. Yeah, Johnny Dixon last year, I believe, had uh,
0: four sacks uh, on the season. He was a, a major presence here in the line of scrimmage as well.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at these safeties, uh, I think you really want to factor in what their interplay with the linebackers is like, you know, I think that Jalen Reed is someone who is on the bigger side, and has the ability to, you know, potentially stay, step up and play a little bit more in the box. So, you know, if you roll a three safety set out there with, you know, Ellis Wheatley and Reed, you know, you can move Jalen Reed around, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage, you know, have have him there. And then, you know, I think we laid it out pretty well uh, on the depth chart where you go three deep uh, at each spot when you factor in Makai Flowers and Tyrese Mills uh, as two guys that wor- worked behind the scenes last year. And then I, w- I think I was talking to K.J. Winston uh, after the blue-white game, and he said, yeah, and we've got more guys coming in uh, this summer when you think about King Mac Dakari Nelson. Um, so I think that it's a very, very fun group. Um you know, I think that last year showed that they can get these guys reps and put them in positions uh, to make impacts. And I'm excited to see what they can do uh, again this year. We've got King, preseason All-American, projected first-round pick next next year's
0: NFL draft, solidly in that starting cornerback. We've got the ORE right now in between a couple of guys who started their career elsewhere. Uh, Storm Duck, who just came in from UNC, and then Johnny Dixon, who's in year three out of South Carolina, Dixon, by the way, is the guy I would circle three times over here because I think he's going to be all over the field for the team this year. Whether he is at a starting cornerback job on the perimeter or working in that nickel role, he's, he's he's battling Daquan Hardy right now. We know Hardy's had a really nice run in nickel coverage, uh, mm-hmm. playing against slots the last few seasons. But Johnny Dixon's really vying for that kind of a spot. He seems to be the man who's really stepped up when it comes to the prowler package and, and what Jair Brown was able to do last season there. Dixon's a lot the, the, the name you kind of draw that line to as of right now. So, a lot to like about him. If Elliott Washington comes along and Cam Kim, Kim Miller continues his rise, you legitimately are six deep and maybe you've got more brewing at cornerback. Can they get there at safety? Can Makai Flowers take that next step? And can one of those freshmen, uh, you know, like uh, King Mack or Dakari Nelson, assert himself over the course of July and August to make you feel good about that? Uh, that's a lot asking a lot and Tyrese Mills I think is, is going to be an important year for him to just kind of refine himself at safety but they they may have the pieces to be six deep at safety too so a lot of depth is, is what we're getting at here uh, as we review this depth chart for, for the last uh, 45 minutes or so um, guys I, I think we can just not do special teams right now <laughs> I, we, we addressed it last episode as and on the post game podcast as something that you know, we're eyeing up. You don't have a, a solid uh, starter right now, punter or play sticker. Based on what we've seen on football fields this spring, you don't particularly feel exceptional about the performance at either of those spots, but it's hard to judge based on what we've seen. It's very abbreviated, but based on what James Franklin's saying, he wants to see some work there as well. But I think we're okay with, with anointing Tyler Dusansky as the, uh, the favorite by far at long snapper, but we won't go too far down the road with other stuff. Mark, Daniel, myself, all contributed to this depth chart. It's up at lions247.com for your full review. Um, But as you just heard, a lot of names should be factors for the Dittany Lions this fall. Uh, Mark, Daniel, hope you both have a great finish to your week, a great weekend ahead. And uh, for the first time, we got no spring ball practice to watch. So uh, it's been a little while since we got got together and and chatted like this. And, And I'll catch up with you guys next week.
2: Hey, one quick note. I wanted to thank everybody who came on board. We were one of the network leaders, uh, you know, pat ourselves on the back a little bit in subscri- subscriptions sold uh, from our last promo. And that doesn't happen without our great community. It doesn't happen without the great VIP content that our recruiting people led by Tyler Calvaruso and Brian Doan produce. Uh, and it doesn't happen without great Penn state fans. So I want to thank everybody for, for, you know, we're up there among the, the, the network leaders, and that's a big thing for us and i want everybody to know that we never take you for granted we don't take our recruiting people for granted i don't take these guys for granted we're very happy uh, to be where we are and and to have that sort of success so thank you everybody well said I'll, mr Brenner. i'll second that one <laughs>
0: <laughs> catch up with you guys soon uh, big thanks to mark and daniel as always my colleagues at lions 247com as referenced there tyler calvaruso getting it done again it's been a very busy week for recruiting the transfer portal Also doing some things for football and basketball. A lot going on at the message boards at lions247.com right now. If you missed our last episode of the podcast on Tuesday, we reviewed the three latest commitments to come on board with the Nittany Lions 2024 and 2025 recruiting classes. Great work from Tyler Calvaruso, breaking those down, looking ahead at what's next on the recruiting trail for Penn State. We'll have a lot more of those kind of conversations coming up uh, as April continues and into May. For now, stepping aside, big thanks to Landon Tengwall for joining us uh, yet again as a guest here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. Enjoy the rest of your day.